I really like that guy Richie's just starting to put his name on everything. It's like Tom Clancy with the video yeah. games. Yeah. It's beautiful. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah, Alec yeah. Burgess's What's Our Verdict podcast review. Welcome to the What's Our Verdict podcast. We fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co host, Alec Burgess. Let's get it. Yeah. We appreciate you tuning in. Go tell a friend about us. But before you do that, hit that like, follow, subscribe, bell notification button. And then after you've told a friend about us, tell a veteran about us. We'll stay true to what we're going to talk a little bit about today. So go keep it in the theme. Yeah. Go tell a veteran about us. And then uh, because, you know, they deserve to hear good things and sometimes really not good things. And. Sometimes who the fuck knows kind of things. But yeah, speaking of veterans, we're here to talk about the, (laughs) I hate saying this, but it's technically the title. So I'm going to say it. Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, whatever. (laughs) It was released on April 21st, 2023. It was written by Ivan Atkinson, Marn Davies, and Guy Ritchie. And it was directed by Guy Ritchie, as if the title didn't tell you that already. It stars Jake Gyllenhaal. Dar Salim, Sean Sagar, Jason Wong, Reese Yates, Christian Ochoa, Lavernia, Bobby Schofield, Emily Beecham, Alexander Ludwig, and Johnny Lee Miller. During the war in Afghanistan, a local interpreter risks his own life to carry an injured sergeant across miles of grueling terrain. It's one of those ones where like a lot of times these synopses are either like not accurate or overdone or weird this one is like very subdued (laughs) yeah this is way below subpar it's not just a guy hiking through the desert (laughs) yeah yeah like it's and it's like difficult or grueling terrain i wouldn't even call that grueling like damn like this shit's no joke so yeah that's what we're gonna talk about and that's gonna be an interesting conversation I really like that guy Richie's just starting to put his name on everything. It's like Tom Clancy with the video yeah. games. Yeah. It's beautiful. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah, Alec yeah. Burgess's What's Our Verdict podcast review. <laughs> well, and I get it in certain circumstances, but like Guy Richie's one of these guys that it's either hit or miss. Like his movies are either dope AF, like this one, or The Gentleman, or you get like dog shit, like. <laughs> King Arthur and the sword and whatever the fuck that was. Excalibur. Legend of the sword or something. Some bullshit. That was trash. So it's just like, there's no in between with Guy Ritchie. It's either great or it's a turd, but yeah, I'm with you. Like that's how, you know, like some people would say, that's how, you know, you've made it. Uh, (laughs) I think it's, you know, you got balls. Yeah. I think that's how you know you either, Yeah, you got balls, or you might think too highly of yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Well, the last thing he did was 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 last thing he did the gentleman, or was it Operation Fortune? Uh, It was Wrath of Man, and then Operation Fortune, which hasn't quite come out yet. Okay. Before that was the gentleman, and then Aladdin, and he did. He's had kind of a a good string going for the last couple of years. Yeah. He's had some great ones, but then like he had a string of shit. Like he had King Arthur legend of the sword. Yeah. He had rock and roller, uh, which was garbage. I was trying to think. I don't know that he directed all of those though. Like but he was involved in some way. But he was like, producing or I think he did. He usually doesn't lose. Yeah. I, I know he writes, he's a big writer too. So I don't know that he directed all of those, but I, Actually, I'm looking at it now. Yes, Rock and Roller, he did. King Arthur, he did. Aladdin, he did. Anyway, I don't remember what it was. Not important. It wasn't good. Yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> but, you know, then, he, like I said, he has things like The Wrath of Man, which was good. Not great, not his best, but it was good. And then, like, The Gentleman, the Sherlock Holmes movies were him. So, like, he had, I don't know. It's hard with him. But, man, when he misses, he misses big. But he didn't miss with this movie. And I think part of the reason he didn't was because of the people he picked to play it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like Dar Salim, like, oh my gosh. He barely says anything in this movie, but man, does he say a lot without actually saying words? Oh, he was probably one of my favorite parts. And I, I will say I was kind of bummed because the best line in this movie 
is in the trailer too, where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, you're here to translate. No, actually, I'm here to interpret, mm-hmm. which is how, like the first time you really get to see that there's more to this guy than just translating language. Yeah. Like he understands the culture, he understands the area much better than any, you know, American soldier's going to know. And he's there to interpret everything that's happening. And he's not shy about it either. I mean, having the line in the trailer didn't really detract from it. But I was like, oh, man, I wish they had left that part out because it was so cool. Yeah. Well, it was just so impactful because of the timing of it, too. Like, you know, it's in a situation where in the trailer, it's very deceptive. Spoilers. In fact, I should probably say before we go any further, spoiler warning, this is a relatively new movie. So if you haven't seen it and you want to hold on. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) That's one thing. But if you haven't and you want to avoid spoilers, please pause this, go watch the movie, come back, pick up We Left Off, because we are going to spoil a lot here. And starting right now, like in the trailer, it makes you think that the hijacking is going to happen in that moment, right? And that's where Jake Gyllenhaal's character, Kinley's going to get captured, but it's not. Like this dude actually saves their asses and catches this traitor in the in the middle of it. Like, I was like, oh, I like that. The misdirection was good because I was like, oh, shit, here we go. He's not going to listen, and he's still going to carry his ass to safety. But no, yeah. he listens. Like, I mean, it was helpful that he, he had, had a drone. Yeah. <laughs> Eyes in the sky and were able to see what's going on. Yeah, but the fact that he even posted guys and then listened was really telling us to how he trusted this guy to a certain degree. But there was no question about his trust after that, right? Like, Oh, yeah. This guy's on it. So I'm with you. I thought that line was great. But there was a line right before it that I thought was just as impactful. And I can't remember the exact words that were used. But Jake Gyllenhaal says something to him. And he comes back with, because it was a deduction. He said, not a. Oh, not an assumption, a deduction. Yeah. He's 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 teaching me fucking English. Yeah. (laughs) Which I thought. One, it sets up that line you're talking about perfectly because it shows that he's not deterred by the fact that Jake Gyllenhaal's character is being a dick to him about don't try to teach me English, right? And the fact that he's an interpreter and like it was a very well-rounded series of dialogue because of like all the nuance that's involved in these characters and their interactions. But I thought the line before that was even, was just as good because it set up that beautiful line that we see in the trailer. I was like, oh, shit, he just handed you his ass on a platter and you got to use it. It was great. Yeah, you get a little bit of taste of that, like when they first meet and they're talking, you know, it's like, hey, here's this guy. Some people don't want to work with him because he's kind of an asshole, essentially. Yeah. But Kenley takes him It's like, hey, you know, like we, we can make this work. It's It's the smart mouth going and you want me here to interpret. I don't necessarily need you as much as you need me. So I'm going to tell you what I think you need to hear, even if you don't want to hear. Yeah. And the way that Darceline delivers that, it's so believable. And it's incredible. Like, that's the first, what, 30 minutes of the movie? Yeah. He just continues to get better after that. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he has his peak early and then kind of dives into background character. He's pretty forefront the entire time and delivering on every single line. He's such a likable character without doing a lot. You know what I mean? Like, where's your gun? <laughs> Halfway up the hill? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, there's not, and I, I I texted you as I was watching this movie going, oh, okay. Jesus, because it's heavy. Look, this isn't like a, this isn't a Marvel movie. You don't go into this movie and have some giggles. It doesn't. They don't break tension. They lean into the tension. But this dude, if there is any comic relief, it's Dar Salim outside of the early conversations with the other parts of Jake Gyllenhaal's unit that are just meant to be guys being dumb together. But like he has a couple of lines like that. Like you say, well, where's your gun it's halfway up the hill? Like you're just like, it's really not funny in that, but moment. I have to laugh, <laughs> but I can't help, but like, okay, that was, it's funny. You know what I mean? Cause he's just so sarcastic and snarky considering, especially the situation that they're in in that moment. So And it's kind of like you said earlier, how the one line about assuming or deducting sets up the next one. It was set up with sequences Mm -hmm. because before that we have like right at the beginning, before they start running, Jake Gyllenhaal standing over him and kind of giving him, Hey, we got to go. 
they're on us type of a thing. We're being chased and kind of like a sarcastic, okay, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's, it's set up in sequences, Mm -hmm. which I think Guy Ritchie really did well in this movie was the sequences are so set up that you could almost just dive into one and have an almost mini movie going on, which is what movies are kind of supposed to be, but people get away from that when they're directing. So, I mean, if you got the talent that he had and Dar Salim was pretty much a plus throughout the entire movie. So it was, it was phenomenal. If you take him out, this movie is a lot worse and replace him with someone else. For sure. Well, and I'd never even, I had no idea who this guy was until I started diving in in preparation, you know, getting to know the movie a little bit. So I looked at who he was the only thing I even know, like I look at all of his like credits and stuff. The only thing I think I've ever seen that he was in is Game of Thrones. And he was early on in the season, Kotho, he was one of the Cal Drogo. Like he was one of the, yeah, the blood, blood brothers. brothers. Yeah. yeah. Like if, if I hadn't, other than that, like I don't recognize anything. So I really hope people start hiring this dude because damn, like he was great. And that's saying something, especially from a movie where you don't have a lot of dialogue, but you still deliver it in a way that I can't help but go, fuck, that was awesome. So, I mean, hire this guy, Hollywood, because I think he'll carry your movies if you want to. Easy. he, He was by far, and that's not easy considering his screen partner in a lot of this too, like, but he was who I paid attention to. When he was on screen, no matter who he was with, is who I was watching. So absolutely agree. Yeah. What else I was thinking is, so at first, like when they first start this movie, like I never thought that this was like a real story or true story. And, and I like that they don't like this is based on real events or whatever, but there's some propaganda in here that I wasn't prepared for. And I, you know, me, not a huge propaganda guy. I don't like hidden messages in my movies for the most part, but I do like to be educated on things that I don't know. And I did not know even remotely what we did to these poor interpreters as a country throughout the the Afghanistan war. Like I just had no idea that we would promise a visa Visa, sanctuary and then hang them out to dry. Yeah. 20 years later, we went, sorry, see you later in the middle of the night. And, And the thing is, is to go a little bit deeper, the reason why it was so abrupt was for votes. Yeah. It's, it's to get votes back yeah. home. So you're essentially taking people who helped you 20 years, put their lives online, put their families' lives on the line, where constant fear that at any moment they could be kidnapped, abducted, whatever, and killed because they assisted an occupying force. Mm-hmm. Right. Essentially to the Taliban and Afghani, a lot of these guys are collaborators. Yeah. Right. They're not interpreters. They're collaborators to a foreign occupying force. They're and, traitors. Yeah. They're traitors, which we see in this movie come out a lot. This line, hey, you're a traitor. You're a traitor. Yeah. Even people who aren't pro Taliban look down on, you know, the Afghani ter- interpreters as being like, hey, what are you doing? You're selling out your own country. This is not the way. Yeah type of a thing. And what does the United States do? Hang them out to dry. Mm-hmm. And I would say that I'm glad that Guy Ritchie put this in here sure. because for the longest time, Hollywood has had no balls. Oh, for sure. Where they just kind of fold over. But this, you know, and well, I don't think he went like all the way there. Sure. Right. He, he held back in some regards, but you know, he definitely put the topic out there like, mm-hmm. Hey, Hollywood essentially as entertainment has the ability to call the government and these organizations, these agencies into account yeah. by telling the, telling the story to a huge group of people. Yeah. Right. Cause like you said, you didn't know about the interpreters. There's, you know, I didn't know about the interpreters. I knew that once we bailed, the Taliban took over, but you don't think about like these little things that are happening. Now Guy Ritchie has this platform. Hollywood has this platform. Now you're able to kind of spread out the message to the people who don't know it. Now, you know, it can hold your government somewhat accountable. Yeah. Because this isn't like the Afghanistan war. It's not the only time we've gone in, fucked up a country. And then by deuces, yeah. there's a whole string. If you guys want to do your own research of nations that we have fucked up by going into quote unquote, help them. Yeah. Well, uh, that's just, 
post-colonization. If you want to talk about some nasty yeah, shit, I mean, go back to go before back. the United States Ever. were even a country and look at colonization across the world. And it's not, I mean, it's more extreme than what we're talking about because it, in fact, it impacted far more of what these countries are going through post-colonization. But it's still in the same vein, right? You go in as the quote-unquote savior or fix-it person and then you leave and things don't either don't change or in some cases, in the case of these interpreters and their families, they get worse, right? Yeah, you leave a power vacuum, someone's got to fill it. Mm-hmm. And there's every story time. after story after story of this happening. But it's because, you know, the real reason why nations get evaded, wars happens all for money. Oh, right? for it's all sure. for profit. There's no war profiteering, war is profiteering. Yeah. And so you have all of these scenarios. I'm glad that Guy Ritchie and Hollywood is finally taking a little bit of stand. Yeah. Like the last one that I could maybe see happening, I don't know if you ever, is Hotel Rwanda. Yeah, I saw it. Where you get a similar kind of, hey, you know, we fucked up. Yeah. Right? Call into accountability, let's not have this happen again. But, you know, if you go before that, there's really nothing until you go like early, early propaganda films. Well, and sometimes you get even worse. Like, yeah. you get like a Black Hawk Down, which is... it's celebrating our fuck-ups right like it's like whoa hold on like yes that was a heroic moment for those people but there is some argument to be made on whether we should have been there to begin with so exactly i mean the fact that we had to go in and be heroic is some bullshit but anyway that's neither here nor there but that's it's a good point and i was pissed like when i first started seeing i'm like okay that's interesting i had no idea like i knew about interpreters like i'm not completely uneducated about what happened in a lot of these wars. But what I didn't know was the sheer volume of interpreters and the fact that once we left, thousands are still in hiding. Like that's not okay. And then, you know, we'll talk about it. I'm sure. But like you watch like the moment or the moments in this film where Jake Gyllenhaal's character is on the phone. Oh my God. Trying to help this person. I'm like, dude, I can relate to this shit. And it has nothing like my shit of being on hold and getting turned away and ignored is like not important compared to this human being and his family's life that he gave basically to the U S and their military. And then we just abandoned. I'm like, Oh my gosh. It it just, I want to say that that wouldn't happen, but I know it would. Oh yeah. The bureaucracy is nuts. Yeah. And I mean, you were saying about like the non-important stuff and that you get put on hold for, but, I mean, that's still there. And if it's at the non-important level, yeah. like you're, you're cutting through miles and miles and miles of red tape up at, you know, what we, what you refer to as important stuff. Yeah. And, but the stupid thing is to kind of piggyback off of this is how quick did it happen once you put someone who had no choice to get it done? Yeah. Right. Because, and they, they do a good job at this is, Hey, I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to transfer you to someone who can help you. I understand this. Do you have this paperwork? Oh, you have to wait this amount of time. He has to fill out this if you want to go quickly. And it's just a big old circle Mm -hmm. until you go to someone who has authority, power, whatever you want to say it is. And it took 26, 30, 36 hours. Yeah. Like somewhere in there. And that's the stupid thing. And the really kind of tragedy is if we wanted to, we could. For sure. But there's no value in it. And that's the issue is that, you know, we took everything we wanted from these interpreters. Now they have nothing of value to us. Mm -hmm. So not our problem anymore. And that's ridiculous because thousands of people are on the hook with their lives that helped, you know, the United States. It would take a week to get them all visas, their families all visas, and get them out. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to do it because there's no profit in it or there's no benefit to doing it. So we're not going to do it. In fact, most of them are probably looking at, at least from a political level, looking at it as it would be a detriment to what they want. Yeah. Because then you have these our rednecks and idiots that are out. And I say rednecks. Not from my redneck friends, because I'm a redneck from the South. I love my redneck friends. But when I say rednecks in this term, I mean these fucking morons that would look at it as, oh, we're bringing in, you know, terrorists. terrorists." And I'm like, no, you fucking moron. We're bringing in people that served our country. Whether you like to admit that or you want to claim, these people were basically part of 
our military for years and we did them wrong. And if we did this to like any of our soldiers that were from our country, we'd be fucking losing our minds right now. Mm-hmm. It would have never gotten to be made a movie or it would be some movie about how we did the right thing. I mean, for fuck's sake, we traded one of the most notorious human beings for a fucking basketball player less than six months ago. So tell me we wouldn't for our own citizens, but these are people that risked their lives to become part of our country and served our country, whether you want to admit it or not. And we just left them out because these politicians are afraid that a certain demographic will not vote for them or not support them anymore. And you know what? Fuck those people. Like, I'm sorry. Anyway, that's a soapbox I shouldn't be on, but I love it. Get back on. It it just annoys me because like it goes back to where I, why I have no faith in humanity for the most part. Like I just, the fact that it's even a consideration that we wouldn't help these people for what they've done for us. And so when I saw that number and I say all that to say like, at the beginning, I was like, okay, that's interesting. Here's, you know, here's the, where this movie was built based on information coming from that. And then we got to the end and they said that statistic of thousands are still, I'm like, what in the actual fuck? How was that? Okay. So I was, like I said, I'm with you. I'm glad they made this movie. I'm glad they put those things out because I had no fucking idea. None. Yeah. You know? Me neither. I would have assumed because I want to think the best of my country that we brought interpreters home with us, but nope. No, because too much red tape or it's one of those scenes where it's, I love that it's holding them accountable, I say, but at the same time, once again, it doesn't do anything unless the people who see it make sure because like you said, politicians are scared of the people. Oh, for sure. I mean, not, not all of them. Yeah. They're there. They pretend to be at least anyway, but it's that idea, you know, election year coming up, but it's, it's the fact that this shouldn't be an issue. Right. It shouldn't be a votable issue or a voting issue. Yeah. It shouldn't even be a human rights issue. It's a uh, wrong versus right. Right. What's the right thing to do? What's the wrong thing to do? Yeah. Unfortunately, we in this country are so batshit backwards that we can't right. figure that out. Or as we'll talk about, I'm sure later, Jake Gyllenhaal's character says it's a debt. Yeah. Even, even beyond it's the right or wrong. It's, it's a fucking debt and we're not paying our debts right now. We didn't back ourselves. There were so many good lines in this movie. Anyway, let's talk about storytelling because that's the other thing that comes into this movie, I think, to your point for even bringing the topic of storytelling up, you know, when we were getting ready to record is that, damn, does this movie tell? And I think what I like the most about it, at least for me, and then I'll turn it over to you, but I, it tells this story in a way that I'm so wrapped up in these characters and what they're going through that they can then lay out these statistics at the beginning and the end. And I do feel a certain kind of way about it. You know what I mean? So that in and of itself to me is a testament to the storytelling is that I am bought in to what they're trying to tell me. So kudos to the writers and and even to Guy Ritchie again for telling this story in a way that's so compelling that I now feel moved to be upset or to feel a certain way and maybe take action in some way if I can because of what is happening. So, yeah. Oh, for me, it was kind of going back to the sequences. So each sequence serves a purpose in moving the story along, which a lot of times miss in Hollywood for a cheesy one-liner or a laugh track. But this, I mean, you have kind of the opening sequence where they kind of learn to trust each other or, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal realizes that Dar is a, he knows what he's talking about and Dar kind of comes to, you know, they come to that middle ground of, Hey, I'm not your soldier, but I'll help you out. And Jake's like, Hey, well help me out. You can be partially asshole. Right. (laughs) And we'll meet in the middle on this common ground. The goal is to bring everybody home type of a thing. And, you know, they're because of Dar Salim, they're able to get information to actually do their job. Because up to this point, they, you know, we go through the sequence of not finding Taliban Gun caches, mm-hmm. right? You're never going to find them. They, they're hidden well. And so it's just this progression story that goes from each sequence to each sequence. And each sequence has its own personal story within a story. So then we get to these moments where I think would have stood out in a movie, like the great scene where he's going up the mountain in a cart, mm-hmm. right? And then he has this like screaming at the top of his lungs. Normally I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> that echoes. Shut 
up. Yeah. But instead, it makes sense in this sequence of what he's going through. Like, dude, pushing up a cart. He's had the worst, you know, 48 hours of his life up to that point getting here. And so for me, it was the, they took all these different elements of storytelling and then put them into sequences. And each sequence was its own story. And so things that would normally bug me, like your opium traders, Mm -hmm. because they don't really play a part to the role to kind of like just a throwaway character. It makes sense. And then it kind of leads into a little bit of something I think you want to talk about, which is like the flashbacks that we get. So after Jake Gyllenhaal gets home and he's like, yeah, I don't remember anything. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because you're like, how do you not remember anything? Like I saw your eyes open. Yeah. Like you were taking in what's going around, but it was such a cool storytelling to where these sequences were all their own miniature movie. No, I agree. It's a great way to look at it. It goes back to scenes, right? What I talked yeah, about. Yeah, I think time. you said scenes that. Versus scenes moments, or moments. Yeah. 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 Everybody in Hollywood shooting for these big moments that they can put in trailers. And this, this movie and the one we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, it, you know, with air, it's, it's about scenes and the storytelling. And the, like you said, these little mini movies within the movie. And that's, to me, so more effective when it comes to storytelling and make, what makes movies good. And this one is, I will say, so the one issue that I had with it is to kind of fill it in before we talk about great shit again. But I think if I had a complaint, it's the fact that there were some weird choices. And this is a Guy Ritchie thing, I think. Cause he makes some weird choices. Sometimes they work out really well. Like the weird choice of having like the internal dialogue with Sherlock Holmes and where he's talking about the fight scene as he predicts yeah. it. That's a weird choice, but it works for me. Like I think the length of these memory sequences was a little much for me. Like I was like, and not only that, but like there was a couple of scenes like the trek. I, I'm okay with the trek over the mountain because we needed to understand the, depth that this is a three-week journey right this isn't like he's done it in a couple of days it wasn't that big of a deal these guys are he's hiking this dude through a mountain for mountains three weeks so i was okay with that but i think there were some scenes like the one the the phone call scenes like i get it and the fact that you were putting the number of days that he's been dealing with this like we see that he's dealing with it for over, over a month I didn't need to see him on the screen for like seven and a half, eight minutes on the phone to get that point. I also, with the scene where he finally, we could have had one scene where he gets shit ripped out of his mind because he's pissed and we get all of the one flashback, but he kept having these pieces of flashbacks throughout. And it wasn't even like they were in good places. Like I think if we'd had him only when he was sleeping and that's what kept him awake at night and then he finally got so shit ripped that he couldn't stay awake. So he had the memories right before he passed out, whatever. I think there could have been some slight changes that shortened up those. Like I just kind of sat there. Okay, okay, I get it. But that's such nitpicking thing for me. Like it's so nitpicky. It was just something that I felt while I was watching it going, okay, I get it. What you're trying to tell me. So let's move on. Cause I want to see what's going to happen. I want to see how he handles this. I want to see what he does to be able to get to go back and get this guy. So I think that's my only gripe about the film. Yeah. I get where you're coming from because I I had moments in there where I was like, okay, let's like, what's going to happen next? Like, let's go, let's go, let's go. But I, I almost wonder if that was intentional because I was so tense (laughs) during this in that entire kind of sequence where he's on the phone they don't have nine months. Like we have to get this filled out now. No, I can't get a piece of paper to him. I don't know where he is. Nobody knows where he is. He's in hiding. Like that's how that works. And so I was like wired in an uncomfortable way because I was like, okay, stop, stop. No one, just, just give him the visa. But there was a couple where I was like, Oh, that's it. like, let's go, let's go, let's go. But at the same exact time, I was feeling all the tension and I was like, dude, you're taking too much time. Like you're 40 days into this. He's dead. I'm like, I'm sorry. He's, he's not high. He's number one on the Taliban's most wanted list. Like, yeah, he's gone. Like you're taking too much time. You need to go now. Yeah. But no, I, I get where you're coming from. Cause there was definitely points where I was like, Hey, let's go. Yeah. Hurry it up. This doesn't need to be here necessarily. Or just one flashback would have sufficed. Yeah. Um, Cause we already saw everything happen. Now we're just seeing it and kind of psychedelic glimpses from Jake Gyllenhaal's opium induced fever. Yeah. <laughs> dream. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't think, yeah, I think the other thing with the, vi- like this, the weird memory sequences, I don't think 
not remembering it or not remembering all of it would have changed what he was doing or how he handled it. Right. And so I think for me, that's where the other piece that I was like, at least with the memory sequences, I don't think it, like we've been talking about everything else moved the story along. And I get that that's a big part of his being home shit, but to me, it didn't move the story along. It slowed it down in those moments. And so that's where I got frustrated, but I get what you're saying. Cause I texted you. I was like, damn, this is heavy. And I was uncomfortable for a lot of this movie as I think we should be right. Because it's, it's not a comfortable topic and it's a very tense movie with things that you can't see. Cause that's the other thing I liked about this is there's something happening across the world that we have no control over. We don't get to see it. We don't get like, they don't cut us back to Afghanistan until we're already on our way back there to know how is this dude doing, right? Like how is Ahmed doing? Cause we don't know. It's uncomfortable. So I, I did like that too, to your point. Like I love how tense it was. And I love that they weren't trying to do what a lot of movies do. And that is break the sequence of this story by throwing unnecessary comedy in there. They didn't mm-hmm. try to be funny. They just told a story, which was important to me. I did want to talk about his wife, Lady. I call her Lady Kinley because she's a badass. <laughs> like, and we talk all the time, right? You and me and Mattson and Javier and, and Ian beforehand. We one of the things on this podcast of my favorite things is strong female characters. And I think sometimes that gets misinterpreted whenever somebody says because there's there's real strong female characters, and then there's like forced female, strong female characters that don't actually they're no different than their male counterparts, right? Yeah. Neither of those, the sides of that coin are strong. They're just our heroes. So they win, right? When I think about a true strong female character, this is one of those, I'm not saying she's the epitome. I'm not saying she's the person that we need a copy of. I'm just saying this is one format. Great example. Exactly. One great example of a strong female character. And what I mean by that is, She's no nonsense. She understands the situation that she and her husband are in when he's off at war doing his thing. It's dangerous. She's at home. She's care. And I love that they have these conversations about how's the business doing. Right. And she's carrying that load. And this is why this is, I'm not saying that women should sit at home and be like, I'll handle everything. Right. I'm supporting you. That's true on both sides. He's doing his job to make money and to do what in his mind is what it, he needs to do to support his family. She's doing the same. Their roles could be reversed. And I would say the same thing, right? So I just want to clear that up so that everybody's not saying, I think- Get him in the comments, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> the women need to stay home. That's not what I'm saying at all. I, I would have been saying this about Jake Gyllenhaal's character being a great supportive husband if she had been off at war. What I'm saying though, is the moment when she finally like says, look, figure this shit out. I need my husband because he wasn't going to do anything if she didn't like it wasn't going to happen if she didn't go to him and say, you need to figure this out. It's eating you up. I can't handle having you here and having to explain to my kids why you're still not here, even though you're here and what's wrong with dad. You're not going to be okay until you not even going to be able to start to be okay until you go figure this shit out. At least figure it, try to, right? And I just thought that was so cool because most of the time, to be honest with you, the truth of the matter is, is we're stupid. And by we're, I mean, men, we're fucking morons because he should have recognized that about himself and gone and said, look, I need to do this. And she would have been like, okay, go do it. Cause that's who she was. But we go, no, I got to protect and I got to be tough and strong and badass. And so we don't say anything, even though that's what he's thinking the whole fucking time. I need to go get this guy but he won't do it because he feels an obligation. And I get that obligation and he's not wrong, but how do you find that balance? You're no good to your family right now. And you need to figure out almost like you didn't come home, which is what she said. Yeah. You need to figure out what it's going to take to get you. Okay. And he can't do that without her. And that's, that's why I feel like, and I always say behind every good human being is another good human being, regardless of all of that. And that's a great case of this is like, she carried this dude. I was very impressed with this just very stout, strong, subtle woman that was very powerful. And I, so I was very impressed. And she's only in it for like five minutes, the whole damn movie. She's barely in this movie, but I think she makes as big of an impact as any other character in this movie, if not bigger, because she tells him, go fucking get your shit together. We'll mortgage the house again, figure it out. 
fucking get out of here. You're pissing me off because you suck. I don't need you. Yeah, you, you <laughs> suck right now. So go, go get your shit together and come back to me. And I love that she didn't say, be careful. It was, no, you're fucking coming home alive. Like, there's no, there's no way fans are us about it. Figure yeah. it out. There's no question. I'm not telling you to please come home. I'm saying you're fucking coming home. I, I loved it. I just thoroughly enjoyed every moment she was on screen. So kudos to that character and Emily Beecham. She was amazing. So, mm. yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the elephant in the room. And that is the amazing Jake Gyllenhaal. Because, man, look, I've always loved Jake Gyllenhaal. He's done some stinkers in his past, too. But the guy can act. No matter what you say, like, he's carried some what should have been stinkers into some decent movies too. In fact, I think we reviewed one or two of them. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I know we did Ambulance and Ambulance wasn't a great movie. Yeah, it was a bit of a stinker. But he was amazing in it. So it's just like, yeah, like he is great. And this movie was no exception with him. Like unreal good in this movie. Loved his character. Loved how he played this character. Like the quiet asshole Mm -hmm. that cares too much, right? Like I loved it. Well, I especially loved, like, I'm, I'm sure they did incredible research, and it shows the jargon back and forth between he and his soldiers mm-hmm. and the base. So I work with a guy who was an Army vet. Okay. Um, spent a few years in the Army. Honestly, it was like he was there, <laughs> 100%. To the joking back and forth, like, are you going to do this for me? Well, you didn't buy me dinner, so, you know, I can't help you out. And that kind <laughs> of atmosphere Mm-hmm. is is exactly how this guy I work with talks. Yeah. And it's amazing because I was like, oh, okay, they put in the effort, they put in the work. Jake Gyllenhaal was there as well. And, you know, they got this going to where it adds just another layer that they didn't have to put there, right? You, you don't need to put that in there. It's not going to make any big difference on the movie, but they took the time to do it and it pulls in dividends yeah. because he does it so well. And he's so believable in this kind of, uh, you know, old sergeant role where he's been out with his guys a couple times. He's an officer. He's got him on. He's the boss. But at the same time, he's, he's joking with them and making sure that they realize he's got their back, which is especially apparent during the scene where they all die. Yeah. To where you can see through Jake's acting, you know, you could have bought that this was a real thing and those were actually his soldiers. Yeah. And I think this goes along with this whole movie, but it certainly fits within his performance as well. And I think Dar Salim's performance as well too. This movie had the potential to make a lot of mistakes that action movies make in Hollywood. And that is, we got to give it everything. We got to go over the top. We got to have all the crazy, but it was, it was surprisingly restrained across the board. I think is maybe the best word that I can think of is the restraint that was shown in almost all aspects of this movie it's not an action movie. It's not overacted. You know what I mean? We don't have this moment with like you're talking about in that scene where his entire unit is killed. He doesn't have this crazy breakdown or freak out moment. And it goes right along with his character throughout the entirety of this movie. He doesn't have these emotional outbursts. Like he is very subtle and very restrained in his own right to where he just sits down and, but you can tell that he's just torn up and just destroyed about what's just happened. But he understands that he's still in a position where he can't manage it anyway, but being smart and being putting it aside for the moment. He has this moment where he deals with it internally, mentally. And then he says, okay, we got to get out of here. And I can't take the time to mourn the way I should knowing that he'll hopefully have the time. Right. But then again, I think about him too. And one of my favorite scene in this whole movie is when he goes to the Colonel and this guy who you never really kind of know what he does, but he seems like this platoon. Gets like, done. Yeah. <laughs> like fixer, get her done. Like Declan is what they is. Sorry. Yeah. Declan, mm-hmm. the guy that sets him up with the mercenary basically. But like he, he goes to them and He's played by one of my favorite actors, Johnny Lee Miller. Miller Volks was great because I love Johnny Lee Miller. He's just so awkward and weird, but he's a great actor. But like when he's standing in there and he gives that speech of like, look, I don't want to do this. In his mind, like I kept thinking while I'm watching this whole speech for five minutes or whatever, because it's a pretty long speech where he lays into these guys very quietly, but very strongly. I'm thinking 
I'm wondering how many times he's gone. I wish I hadn't picked that interpreter, but then you have this internal battle of, but if I hadn't, would we have died in that first ambush that he caught that we would have never figured out without him or, you know, but then you have to wonder, would we have been in that situation? Cause we wouldn't have got the Intel without him. So it's one of these things where I'm like, I'm wondering how many times during the last 30, whatever days it's been six weeks or five, whatever it was that we see him that he's questioned because he doesn't want to go save this guy. He's putting himself in an outrageous risk. He's going against his government. He's going against those that are his superiors, according to the military hierarchy, but he has a debt. And like, that was my fit. Like, he's like, you have a debt, fucking pay it. Like, it was just amazing. He didn't give this colonel a choice. He was like, look, fucker, I'm doing this shit. So get it done. Get me the visas get it done. I know you can do it. So just do it. That moment. Like I was like, fucking get him!" Like it was great. It's great. Oh, hundred percent. Because like you were saying, I'm sure he was tortured. Yeah. To his own mind. Like, you know, if I, I don't pick this guy, we die in the ambush. All I wanted to do was to do my job. He helped me do my job. Went to go do my job. My unit died. Yeah. But if this guy wasn't there, we don't have the job, but I die in the ambush, but you know, he also saved my life and that kind of mental anguish. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you see it through this kind of odd sequence with the phone where it just drains, 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 and he's just beaten down. Yeah. Um, so by the time he gets to the Colonel, like he's just done. Yeah. His, his energy is gone. He's, this is the way it is. Figure it out. Just testament to Jake Gyllenhaal because you see his decline. And it pretty much starts from the time he loses his unit, but he doesn't have time to process it until now he's got another issue on his plate. You know, he's back home and his interpreter is in hiding the guy who saved his life. Well, and it feels like for the first, like while he, until he gets home and the guy tells him that we didn't get him out, that he thinks he's out. You know what I mean? Like, which I get, like to me, I'd be thinking the same thing. He just saved a master sergeant's life by carrying him through the freaking Afghani mountains for three weeks. Like, (laughs) how is that not the first thing that gets done is we type up a visa in the barracks to see, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like he was there at the base with the guy. What the fuck? Like that's the quick trip home. Grab your wife. Yeah. And that's the part that like, I think that moment too was really great when he's like, yo, he's not, he's still in, in there. And he's like, he's what? Like he was so shocked by the fact, and I think that goes to kind of what we're talking about with the corrupt government. You have technically, even as a master sergeant, he's still a grunt, dude. Like he's still just a guy that does what he's told. And he's like, how is this possible? And it takes getting up to a Colonel level. And even he was like, I don't know if I can get this shit done. And it's the Colonel who finds a way to get things done, which is brought up a couple of times. Like, I don't know how you do it, but you get things done. You only want to get things done around here. Yeah. So it's a colonel, but it's a colonel who's very good at getting things done. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. And even then, he's got to go to a mercenary to get, and he's got to be given, because the U.S. government, U.S. military isn't going to do anything. And they know it. Like, that's, I'm like, oh my. So he's got to go to a mercenary that costs him $100,000. Now, I will say, again, on that point, to talk about some more of the surrounding, like the supporting cast, Anthony Starr, from the boys fame killed it as this mercenary again in like three minutes time. But I love that line. He's like, dude, if you had said that you were Kinley and this is the Ahmed, I'd have fucking done it for free, bitch. You should have just said something. And that was one thing that I thought too. And I get why they didn't. Cause the guy told him, he's like, you can't say, because if they find out you're back in country, this shit goes sideways in a heartbeat. But I'm like, if you trust this guy to come save your life, don't you trust him to tell him who you are? Like it was a little weird to me when he was using the fake name with the the former military security guy. I'm like, if you trust him enough to come ex, you know, exfil you, then why don't you trust him enough to know who you are? But I did love that. I was like, dude, why didn't you fucking tell me? I this would have yeah. been on the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was kind of funny because it almost felt like during that entire sequence, they're doing this like, oh, is he going to like turn him into the Taliban thing? You know, sat phones not sure. going. And I was sitting there, I was like, great idea. But if you have a mercenary company that 
goes back on a contract like that, they're never going to get work again. <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> so I was like, oh, like that, that would be my kind of insignificant gripe yeah. would be the, and he didn't need that in there. Sure. Like you can still have the, hey, we're going to be there. And I'm sure the Taliban had a helicopter or something that could delay him. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, we're, we're coming, we're coming. Hey, I need you here now. Type of thing. You still have that, I think, at the bridge, but there was like that little underlying, oh, maybe they're going to, you know, turn them over to the Taliban for a huge payday. And I was like, ah, I would have cut that whole thing out. That makes sense. It didn't make sense. It makes sense that it didn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I was so wrapped up though, and, and kind of going back to Jake Gyllenhaal and even Dar Salim, since we've talked most a lot about them, there are two moments at the end of this movie that I have to talk about when it comes to acting, and no words are spoken at all and that is the moment when they think they're gonna die on the the dam they've run out of of munitions and they're sitting there the guy that's driven the bus the brother's friend or whatever has gotten shot in the shoulder they're hole up they have no ammo ammunition they have and they're being fired at and surrounded and they're just like all hope is lost and they just kind of look at each other in this moment and they're both like despairing but at the same time like you can see that look of mutual respect of sucks that we got here but we're at least we're here together like that's kind of how i interpreted the looks they were giving and then the final moments of this movie when they're finally on the plane and it's all done and they're going back to the states and all they do is kind of give each other the little nod like i'm getting emotional just thinking about it like i was like that right there is like such a great way i don't want you to speak like i want you don't need to yeah no words are needed like that nod and the way that they look at each other, like it's finally fucking over. We both can move on the way that we should have been able to from the day that this guy saved him. I was like, God, that's a great way to end this movie. And I was so glad that they ended it and then moved in. Of course, I was very happy that they put the pictures of the actual interpreters and and soldiers throughout the credits, but it was such a great, those two moments. I was like, damn, there is a lot of emotion. And this goes to show that you don't need your actors to speak. If you have done the writing and done your due diligence prior to these types of scenes. And if you have the right types of actors, which they did both. Yeah, they earned it. Mm-hmm. They earned it through their entire storytelling up to that point to where you didn't need. Yeah. Agreed. Completely agreed. All right, man. We talked a lot on a lot. There was a lot to talk about. Let's rate this Matthew thing. would be so upset with how long we've taken. <laughs> he would. He would. We're 50 minutes in, but I think this movie deserved every second of it. So absolutely. Let's rate it. I'll go first. Okay. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I'll be honest. I went into it expecting more of the over the top action, more of like a revenge type thing or like a, but what I left was, I was like, did you, were you on the recording? I don't think you were. I think it was the, the four of us, the early team when we did uh, extraction with. Yeah, that was Chris. early team. God. Okay. This is what extraction should have been. Extraction is what is everything that this movie did right. They did wrong. This movie understood how to create tension, how to build great characters by develop, developing them as individuals and then as a team within that unit of soldiers and involving like how that interaction and that it was gorgeous. And they did exactly what you should have done, but I expected more of a guy, Richie version of extraction. Thankfully I was wrong. And about 30 minutes into this movie, I'm like, God, this is not what I thought. And it was so tense. And so, like I said, I texted you. I'm like, this movie's heavy as fuck because it is there's not a lot of if you're looking for lighthearted, this ain't it if you're looking for a real movie that has great characters and great dialogue and tells a great story and really makes you think about things and has real emotions to it and real circumstances and real consequences this is the movie very well made very well done i'm thoroughly impressed i'm giving it a four and a half and the only reason i'm not giving it a five is the weird sequences and the memory. And then I'm kind of with you. I think they tried to do like a weird, like, holy shit moment with the, cause I was so confused as to like, why isn't the sat phone working? You know what I mean? Like it was like, none of it made sense to me even until you explained it going, Oh, they were trying to do that bait and switch where you thought he turned him in. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. Cause it was just, it wouldn't have added anything to the story if they had. Right. So 
yeah, I think that's the only reason I'm not giving it a perfect five, but a couple of little tweaks and it would have been a five for me easy. So I, uh, what'd you think? So I, I went to this, into this kind of the same way I expected kind of the over the top action. We're going to see Jake Gyllenhaal take his shirt off and just go all Rambo on everybody. For those listening, he does not take his shirt off. So if that's a deal breaker, you're probably not going to enjoy it. But I mean, it was just like so well done and I'm glad it wasn't that, you know, like you and I were talking a little bit earlier, like people might've seen this and seen John Wick as, but with Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. And that's not what it is, but it's so real. I mean, we didn't touch on a whole lot, but the chase scene or the chase mm. sequence through the mountains, incredibly real. You have no drone aerial footage, which is a common thing where you'd see him like running through the ravine or whatever. It's all up on their face. You're at the ground level. You can see all of the obstacles that come in their way. And one of my favorite moments during that entire thing is when they see the two guys reading the map and they're like, oh, shit mm-hmm. right because you can't fire you're gonna get everybody on you and they're trying to back up and it's just the tension that comes with being right there kind of in the moment which i thought was amazing and so i'm, I'm with you jj i'm gonna give it a four and a half and i think it is just such a great movie i don't think it's a perfect movie but it's up there it's very very good and i would recommend everybody go see it mm-hmm. it's one of those where i think you lose something if you wait so go see it in theaters because if you wait, you're going to lose something by watching it at home. But yeah, phenomenal movie. I loved it. Yeah, I agree. Go see it. You should. It's great. In fact, I will see this again and I may take Casey Forster to go see it in the theater again because it's that good. And I, to your point, I didn't even think about the realistic part, but like in a, in a movie that I'm thinking that this was going to be action sequence when they're running away, Jake Gyllenhaal would have just been sniping guys left and right, like taking them. And that's not, like they were trying to be as stealthy as possible to the point that they had some very brutal hand-to-hand kills that made me very uncomfortable, which is what they want it to do. Cause that's not an easy thing to do to keep quiet. So yeah, I mean, that was, it was great. So good. Very well done. I loved it. Yeah. Good movie. All right, man. What a fun review. A lot of in-depth stuff, a lot to talk about with that movie, big four and a half across the board. Tell everybody, though, where they can find us when they're not listening to us, buddy. <laughs> Happy to. So thank you for tuning into our review of The Covenant. I've heard that it's gotten some bad reviews. I don't know why. I've heard that people don't like it. I do not understand why. So if you're one of those people and you did not like this movie, please let us know why. I really thought it was a good one. So while apparently the greatness of this movie is up for some debate, there is another movie that there is no debate. Go check out our review of She Dies Tomorrow. Excellent recording (laughs) with the OG What's Our Verdict squad. And there is even a fun game of what was my favorite game listening to the podcast of Would You Rather with Javier. Uh, So go check it out. And while you are at it, check out our other content wherever fine podcasts are found, including Stitcher, Donna, or Apple Podcasts, to name but a small selection. And if you guys like us or even don't, leave us a review and let us know what you think. We are also on Patreon. Our current patron, JJ's Left Nut. I swear that's a real person and not JJ just being a goon. I know, it's uh, not me. Currently has a monopoly on voting rights and special requests. If you would like in on that action, you can join us where every dollar earned goes towards funding Matson's punk rock career dreams. Uh, with that, I will kick it back to the Sultan of Swat, the behemoth of bust, a JJ. I love it. I love it. That's good times. Yeah, and speaking of Patreon, there's we're gonna be doing some different stuff here in the future, in the near future. So right now is the time to join up on the Patreon because you're gonna get a lot more opportunity even now than than you do now to be able to tell us what to watch and make some fun choices because we're gonna make we're gonna make some changes, which I think you guys will like. So keep that in mind. With that, thanks, Alec, for telling everybody about us. And uh with that, as always, we appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. After La Vista, baby. Cinemagic out. Near, 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 near. <laughs> exactly.